No. Every show. Every show he. <laughs> every show he breaks the mic because he's so fucking physical. He's like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he breaks it here. He breaks it here. They buy. They go through like ten mics a fucking month. So that's why it's called Mike Tyson, I guess. Um, I just want to dedicate this to my great grandfather. <laughs> Rest in peace. That's what you're gonna get from this conversation. Airplane you know mode right? on. What? <laughs> oh, uh, welcome. I think we're recording. Are we? Yes. It's the best way to start, right? When you just kind of, what happens? Yeah. I don't know. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show, Izzy. Yes. Nice to finally have you on, brother. I wish I could hug you. There's all this yeah, yeah. apparatus between it, us. Yes. I'm, yes. We'll, we'll do it later. Yeah, yeah. Right now. <laughs> As you know, I'm a hugger. How are you enjoying the conference so far? It's terrible. It's terrible, so, right? No, no. Yeah, this, so. To me, this, <laughs> this is the um, honey badger for me is the epitome of what a Bitcoin conference is about. High signal to noise ratio. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And everyone is accessible. Yeah. You know, doesn't matter who it is. I remember when I was here last year, it was because of you. You were like, hey, I want to show Adam uh, back the presentation that I have. And do you remember that? You were quite, you were like a 12 year old schoolgirl. Yeah. You were yeah. like, oh, Adam, I, I just, but he was so cool. He just turned around and went, hey, yeah. can it? Yeah. Yeah. He approached me and asked me about, like, he heard that I, I did the calculation on, like, um, the, 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 the kilo price of Bitcoin. Right. And he right. had done the calculation himself with using a different method. And we had come to the, about the same results. So That's I really so enjoyed that. Yeah. And he was just so accessible, you know. We sit down, uh, me, you, him, and Anita. Yep. Talked for about forty-five minutes. He was talking about a um, a whistleblower book that he had oh, read. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, I don't remember the title. Yeah, but I love that aspect of of conference like this, whereas some of the conferences, you know, it's kind of everything is segregated. Not to yeah, yeah. shit on any conferences, but um, this is a really special one for me. I love Max and yeah. Anna. A lot. Yeah, yeah, they're great. I mean, and uh, this year, I, I really feel this, you know, Bitcoiners incentivized to help one another vibe going on. Like, as you say, everyone's so accessible. Uh, and it's like we're we're living out this in, in real time, the, uh, the uh, incentive structure of Bitcoin, how we're not incentivized to compete with one another, but com incentivized to, to collaborate. Yes. And that, like, uh, I, I think that's tightly connected to the shitcoin purge. There's, there's no shit, there are no shitcoiners left here. Zero. Zero. So, yep. so, uh, and then you get, you get this beautiful Bitcoin world instead. And, uh, there's no like market competition becomes a different thing and a more beautiful thing. I, I, I mean, there's some good free market competition as well as the coffee. The coffee uh, shops outside. There's a, a yes. long ass queue to the nice coffee, and there's like no queue to the to the slightly cheaper coffee. The and drip coffee is like how, two yeah, yeah, Americans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it's not only the price of the actual coffee, but it's also the price of standing in a line for uh, <laughs> fifteen minutes, as opposed to you know. <laughs> and next to your heroes, if yeah. you will, because they're yeah, right so, there waiting in line behind you. Yeah. But to your point, Knut, so. You know, I, I um, took over a business at the beginning of this year. And for me, 
I mean, I, I was a surgeon and then I went into film and stayed in the Bitcoin closet for a really, really long time. And then running a business, it was kind of like, I had a lot of friends who were in business going, oh, you have to be ruthless. You have to be, be this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. none of that fucking makes any sense to me. Like, no. it's not about that. And so I've hooked up with other Bitcoin only companies and it's about the collaboration. We yeah. may compete in market, but it only makes each of us better. Yeah. And then we find all these backdoor collaborations. Yeah, not and like, all these not, synergies. Not like that. Mm. <laughs> Hang on. How sexual uh, can we get uh, on this yeah, show? Now, now it's the coming We're up to the closet thing and a <laughs> bunch of <laughs> sausage fest and so on. You know, on the way here, I was in the, I was in the car with Roger 9000. Yeah. And um, he's a very sensitive, beautiful human being. And we were talking about life and how, you know, when you're younger, especially if, you, if you're a Bitcoiner, you've always been a little bit left of, of center. You kind of, you know, you feel like, wow, I don't know if I fit in mm -hmm. this. I mean, I hope I'm not, I mean, I think I know I'm speaking from my own experience. And sometimes you can put on that, that mask to try to fit, which rips your fucking soul out because it's not real. And you know yeah. that as a human. And by opening up in this space to Bitcoiners, you just feel so much freedom and so much yeah. love. And I said to Roger in the car, it's like, there was a point that I felt like, I mean, I felt I prepared for this yeah. my whole life. Um, but there was a point when I was in, in my 40s, I was kind of like, did I just make all that shit up? Like, did, did yeah, I yeah. really prepare for anything? Like, is this just me? Like, what, what, what is, what's going on in life? Yeah. But the moment that I came out of that Bitcoin closet and put myself out there, every step made sense. It felt like every single yeah. step led me to right here, right now. Even the, quote, missteps. Yeah. You know? It reminds me of a David Bowie quote, which uh, I'm going to slaughter it, but uh, it's something like, the process of aging is the process of becoming who you were always meant to be. <laughs> oh, I like that. And, and I, like that I, I guess that's true for a life properly lived, mm. which is, um, in my view, what, what Bitcoin does to people. So as you, you see all these characters and like the first couple of years you see them, they're, they're sort of lost and trying to find their place in all of this. Mm. But slowly but, sh but surely they, they're becoming who they were always meant to be. Yes. Uh, yes. And yeah, I, I I learned a lot from Daniel Prince and watching him just become this um, become this walking dating app that he is now, you know. <laughs> is he a walking dating app? Yeah, he's a walking dating app. You know, he's <laughs> connecting people and just be, he's able to talk to absolutely anyone in the world without feeling uncomfortable. And I think yes. there's a lot to that networking thing, and just and that's who he's supposed to be. Like it's it's. When you meet him in these environments, it's like bleeding obvious that that's who mm. he is, mm. and I and I love that you know finding your path type of minds. It, it's sort of playing the part and finding yourself are two sides of the same coin here. Mm. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, Joseph Campbell. Oh, looking at the the hero's journey, yeah, yeah. studying all those cultures yeah. and going. It's not going to, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but it's not going to make sense until you follow your bliss. Yeah. And when you follow your bliss, everything slots into place. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Mike. Uh, Tyson. No. Uh, uh, 
Everyone's got a plan until they Ro- get Rob Reed, the loves, uh, Rob Reed loves uh, the sidekick, uh, Mike. Um, I don't remember his last name, but his, they made a whole series about the, the hero's journey. Oh, okay. And like, yeah. So, so the, the way I see that, every, every person who uh, quits their fiat life and becomes a, a full-time something in Bitcoin, yes. they have this hero's journey. It is the hero's journey. It is 100% so, so they're, the hero's they're, journey. They're stuck in this uh, mindset of like, the, this is the way things are, and I'm doing this rat race uh, hamster's wheel thing, and that's fine because I get some spare time and I can have a va- vacation every two years and buy shit for my kids every Christmas and all this stuff. Yep. And then the, the, something in Bitcoin comes and pokes them on the shoulder and like, uh, uh, that's the equivalent of Obi-Wan Kenobi just, uh, mm. or uh, Morpheus. <laughs> mm. Follow the white rabbit. Uh, yeah, there's, there's something here. Uh, and then there's some crisis, uh, usually, or a separation. Yeah, or, or like they they experience inflation firsthand, or like some political decision they disagree with, and uh, they get this holy shit. There might be something to this Bitcoin thing moment, and then they choose to hop off the cliff and see if their wings can actually fly. Where was and, that with you? What was that moment where you were like? Holy shit! I'm I'm gonna jump. Well, it's like I, I mean, I liked my fiat job um, to to a certain extent. I did I didn't like the fact that it was stealing too much of my time, mm. and I didn't like the fact that it I was giving so much of it away to a third party. You know, through taxes and inflation. When you when you see that thing, and then I had my Bitcoin scribblings that were sort of taking off and living a life of their own. Um, in parallel with that and of course that that took more and more time and energy from me um and i wanted to give it time and energy of course so uh, at at one point i realized i uh, i i need to make a decision here and i i told my wife uh that um, i'm going to to uh, you know ask for a race and quite a ridiculously big race and if i don't get that we we, we, we fuck off <laughs> we do this thing instead and we see where it leads and of course that's what happened because my employer realized that yeah he's probably not going to stay very long anyway <laughs> yeah wow. so so uh so that was me jumping off the cliff i guess and and just seeing where this could take me and the last two years have been surreal to say the least i mean yeah um and then I found Luke last year, and we we've been I doing this. I found Luke last year. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. Uh, we've been doing this thing for a year now, and and this is like, I, I mean, I love doing this. Yeah, talking to interesting people. Like, what else? Are what else are you going to do? People here? Well, maybe not now. <laughs> but <laughs> where are, are they uh, coming? Are they going to show up? Luke is mildly interesting. I mean, I uh, agree with that. <laughs> I agree. Does Luke speak during the podcast? He does. I'm allowed. I'm allowed to. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) 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 To to circle back to what you were saying, it's interesting, right? Because having, I I had experience in that in that fiat realm, and so I still have friends from that realm. And it's like, well, what do you do now? I focus on the orange glowing light. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) No, but how do you how do you pay your mortgage? I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about i focus on the orange glowing light uh, yeah, yeah yeah nothing else matters 
I mean, so, think think about it as well, guys. We I don't know if our fathers and grandparents felt what we feel. You know, I like to think that they did, but looking at history in the time that they lived, I don't know because we are at the tip of the spear in a human revolution, the first ever opt out nonviolent revolution. Yeah, it's like hold my fucking beer. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't, you can't do anything, and and we are focused on this, and it is literally changing the world. The proof is in the plebs. Yeah, yeah, and it's changing us from within, one at a time, right? Bitcoin is a mirror. Yeah, yeah. It's my first presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I remember I went up and I wrote it on the chalkboard. Bitcoin is a mirror, and there are a few technical guys in the audience. They were like, oh. "Yeah, <laughs> here we go, <laughs> fucking hippie." Fiat is a black mirror. Oh. Two-way mirror, black. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, Fractal Encrypt does Bitcoin mirror art. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I remember when he came into the space and um, I thought, I actually felt something really significant about Fractal. I thought the artwork that he's doing will be as important as Bitcoin. Because being an artist myself, it's like you, art touches people. Mm -hmm. In a way, you know, if you go to a city devout of art, yeah, you see people devout of soul. But when you go to yeah. a city that has open spaces and art, people tend to want to commune and 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 want to feel that inspiration, yeah, yeah, because it's around them everywhere. And that that's, and fractal does that in our yeah. space. That's what I find so fascinating about Riga. Like it's it's it has these uh, old. <laughs> communist era monuments yes. every here and there but there are these you know new hipstery places popping up every yes. here and there with you know graffiti art and uh, um yeah cool places that they're tra transforming terraforming mars like they're <laughs> they're uh, i mean we've got a space monkey yeah right here a space monkey right there it should be How a space cat but you know, yeah i agree uh, I agree with that. <laughs> so, is it what, what is a jugad? Can you? Is this the interview? Did we? Is this where we start interviewing? Do I need to? Uh, yeah, you should, probably should. Yeah. No. I'm glad, <laughs> are you being serious? What is a jugad? Yeah. Explain the term. If I am going to explain, I must talk in India a little bit, like I'm uh, I, because jugad is a Sanskrit word coming from India. Yes, I can also do the dialect, but I think we might offend people if we keep. I on. will not offend uh, anyone from India. They are my brothers. No, I love the this dialect. It's one of the most <laughs> the beautiful dialects. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tunes in after did you two see, minutes. They're did like, you see the, uh, <laughs> Did you see the Bollywood version of uh, Star Wars: A New Hope? No, it's so. Was great. it a ripoff? Yeah, like they made their own version. Yeah, yeah uh, well, they it's. I think it, it's just dubbed to Indian, okay. yeah, 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 right. to this Bollywood English. So it's like, Admiral Russell came out of light speed to throw us to the system. He is clumsy as he is stupid. General Ooh, I Beers, am your father. Uh, prepare your men for a surface attack. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you got his, um, I mean, gosh, where do, where do I start with that? For me, there was that question, is Bitcoin an invention or a discovery? And I've been going to India since 1999. I love it. I did uh, the white man's pilgrimage there, the enlightenment oh, pilgrimage, yeah. you know? Actually, funny side story to that. I, um, I, at one point, I, I was living in Melbourne on the beach, um, not on the beach, but near the beach. 
And um, I had this moment of like, what, what is life? What am, what am I doing? I've left medicine. I'm playing around in film. What's the next step? What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And so I took a walk and I went into a bookstore and I was drawn to go into this bookstore and I bumped into one of those rotisserie book racks and this book fell off and it said the most dangerous man since Jesus Christ. And I'm like, oh, who's this? It wasn't the Kama Sutra? No. <laughs> Jesus was a Tantra man. Um, Yeah, and and that sent me to India because it it was about this guy, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, and I found him utterly fascinating. Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh? Yeah, bless you. (laughs) I bought a ticket. I left the bookstore, went out, bought a ticket, and went to India what was meant to be three weeks and stayed a year and a half. Oh, really? And during that time, I heard the word Jugad all the time, and I understood what it meant. And then in Bitcoin, I think it was around 2012, maybe 2013, people started really debating, is Bitcoin an invention or a discovery? And I knew back then, this is how I feel about it, that it is the ultimate jugad. So to your question, what is a jugad? You could say it's a life hack. It's a loose, like every nine-year-old in India knows what a jugad is because they have to. Yes. They have to find ways and means to accomplish what it is they're trying to accomplish with shit that they don't have. You, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So mm-hmm. like say they have to reach some electrical wire up on, on the top, but they have a, on the top of the building, but they don't have a ladder. Well, they've got a motorcycle and a box and their cousin can hoist them up here and then they've got an old coat hanger to try to reach it none of those things were designed for what they're going to use them for but the combination of that and a little bit of ingenuity allows them to complete what it is they're trying to do and with bitcoin for me satoshi's bitcoin is humanity's jugad like he combined these technological innovations that were already in existence Mm -hmm. and then added something, the difficulty adjustment of his own that created this ultimate jugad, this life hack for all of us. And you know, I've said this to you before, I deeply feel that, um, I mean, whether you look at it from a philosophical perspective or or spiritual, which I'm waiting for the backlash, that intent of Satoshi is imbued in the code itself. So it's a jugad for us as humanity to usurp this tyrannical system that has kept us in debt slavery forever, Laura. And then in that as well, there's like the intent of the creator, not not to get too juju, but if, if you look at it, right, like I don't want to hog the conversation, but if you look at it, Satoshi said in 2008, I've been working on this for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, it would, would have been a lot longer than that. There was never a digital footprint. So he knew what he was doing. And if you know what you're doing in that sense, like you're going to put something out yeah. that anyone else who has put that out has either been killed or put into jail. So I'm going to cover my tracks and this may or may not work. If you have that going in, when did you actually get that seed planted in you? Yeah, were, yeah. were you 12? Were you 11? Did you no. show up with that? Like, what is it? Yeah, it's like when people ask me when I started writing a book. Like, when did you start writing the book? Yeah. Fuck do I know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's, I know it's not when I pressed the first letter in the first word. I know it's way yeah. before that. And it's but like, 
you spend your entire life thinking about stuff and then some eventually something may or may not come out the other end like yes and as far as spirituality goes to uh, here we go because I'm not going to get my ass handed uh, to me. No, but, the, but, but the, the way I see it, like, I don't need an old man uh, in disguise. <laughs> it's not as simple as that. Okay. I can admit that. Uh, and uh, the oh, way I see oh. it, there's. Uh, Please take note, everyone, because yeah, we're just yeah. softening. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it that either. Okay. Uh, I'd say that. The, yeah, you're still hard as a rock. Oh, and we're back to the sexual nature <laughs> of Tantra. Tip of the spear and all that. Yeah. <laughs> but, all a bunch uh, of homos. We, <laughs> Nobody else will get that reference because they no, weren't no, in Only Sydney. Australians get yeah, that yeah, yeah, reference. Yeah. So um, consciousness is like, it's very hard to define and it's very unclear what it is and where it comes from and how, how, it, uh, how it happens and what types of beings have it and like mm. what it is. And uh, it's unclear to which extent our minds create reality and mm. to which extent it interprets reality. Uh, and I suspect that we create it to a larger degree than we admit to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's about as far as I will go <laughs> on the spirituality well, front. So, but I want to dig I'm, into that. What I'm saying with that is like, if you, if you find a, calling or like a clear path in your life and you start focusing on doing stuff to accomplish something later down the line low time preference yeah. stuff yeah then good things may happen to you i'm like mm. i firmly believe that if you do fuck all if you don't do anything and you never tried you know getting out of your comfort zone or whatnot then nothing will happen i agree if you do most likely nothing will happen but it might happen. <laughs> so if you just get out of your comfort zone enough and try different things, sooner or later, you know, uh, fortune may come to you or like uh, fortune is a bad word, but stuff might start happening and you might start to connect with all these beautiful people and find a, 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 a path that feels worth taking. Uh, find a hill to die on, which is also a valley to live in if it's the correct hill <laughs> there's freedom in that freedom footprint there's freedom in those footprints because like i i really deeply resonate with what you just said in, in my own life and to circle back to joseph campbell and his work there's always that journey of the hero no matter whether you're male female what culture you've ever existed in to follow your bliss yeah and some people say that I mean, you, you've heard this off that it puts you in a flow state. Yeah, yeah. I think this is all just vernacular and terminology, but I look at science as there's two types of science. There's experimental science and experiential science. And looking at the, I saw your eyes roll, looking at the Eastern, I would categorize it differently. Well, bear with me and let me, yep, let's, let's, yep. let's put this on the yeah, table yep. and unpack Absolutely. it. The ancient rishis and even, even Gautama Buddha uh, sat under a tree with his eyes closed and said, there's no such thing as matter. Everything is what he called kalapas, um, rising and passing away nonstop, millions and millions and millions and millions. And he understood that sitting under a tree with his eyes, eyes closed. And modern physics would say the same thing. Yeah, basically. So I look at, like, I can't 
verify my experiential science with you. And this is what I think the, the wise ones of the past said, like the enlightened ones, if you will, the self-realized people who understood what Gautama understood. They can say, you are it. Thou art that. That's what the Sufis said, right? Thou art that. But so many people get lost. And, and I know you agree with this of going, oh my God, Knut taught me that I'm not that. Knut is the, is the one. Whereas Knut, the enlightened one, would be like, go fuck yourself. I'm not the one. You're the one. Don't get, uh, what Bruce Lee say, uh, don't get lost on the finger or you miss all the heavenly glory. Yes, and the tip you of know? the spear. And the tip yeah. of the spear. Yeah, yeah. So I think we do create our own reality in the sense that life is a mystery to be lived and it's my mystery. Yeah. And I can't verify that with you. I can only show you who I am. And you feel it when we hug one another. Yeah, yeah. You're like, holy shit, this guy's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about, that about sums up what I feel when I hug you. Is it? I mean that in the most positive sense possible. Uh, so yeah, reminds me, me, me and Giacomo once put a um, Venn diagram together uh, 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 with the three different categories of of science, and one is a priori science, which yeah. is praxeology and and mathematics and logic and whatnot, where you just deductively reason yourself to from a, a set of axioms that are undeniable. Mm -hmm. And then there's empirical research, which is yeah, you know, modern academia and you do studies and they get peer reviewed and you get a, a good picture of what's going on. And then there's the third category, which is bro science, which is sort of what you just explained. It is not. <laughs> but where, where you, you just, you don't really have any evidence for your arguments, but you make sense like, yeah. So let's unpack this, but you say you don't have any evidence. If you sit down yeah. and you experience through your own awareness that, wow, okay, my body is not what I thought it was. I think it's this solid structure that goes around and eats and shits and does all this other stuff, yeah. but it's so much more than that. It's constant fluctuation. It's not even solid. And you have the experience of that, but you say to somebody, um, you're you're all energy and, and you're not really matter, and they'd be like, "Yeah, bro, science, bro." But Hello. energy and matter are two sides of the same coin. So maybe Aren't we're they? saying the same thing. Yeah, I think so. Oh or, wow, I got him! <laughs> I got him. Went from bro science to. But yeah, then again, the I I think it uh, goes back to you know uh, I think therefore I am. Which Descartes. is uh, which Descartes, which uh, Descartes' famous quote, which has been revised to "I think, therefore, some thinking is going on somewhere," <laughs> which is the only statement that you can actually prove is true, like regardless of if you have eighty IQ or more, like that's that's the only thing you can prove. Right, right. Uh, so I went through a huge dilemma with "I think, therefore, I am" when I was uh, first started meditating because I was trying to move past the thoughts rather than just observe them uh -huh. and i was like fuck i think therefore i am yeah no i'm much more than the thinking and so i yeah. had this real battle with descartes for like eight years and coming back full circle going yeah no i get it i so, understand where uh, this guy was coming from this this gets us into ai territory and i i find this fascinating because i think i figured out why ai isn't intelligence because we make it? 
No, because okay. it lacks oh, sort of <laughs> because it lacks agency. Okay, it, it's never compelled to act uh, because of its own wishes. It's it, it's a perfect slave, but it can How never do you be give a AI master. A penis, then maybe it. I have the impetus. No, sorry. I, you have to give it an artificial one, I'm afraid. Right. No, I don't mean to break up your flow. Just no, but, but non-humorous flailing. But, uh, so, so I think, uh, and I think this ties into how humans view themselves in general and how we view society and everything. Like we think intelligence is this thing that you can pull away from from agency, mm. but it's not. Like we 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 need agency and. Uh, well, for lack of a better word, free will. You you can argue wow. that you don't really have free will because the, you don't control what thoughts get into your brain and so and whatnot. But I love the Hitchens quote. Uh, uh, you, of course, I have free will. I have no choice but to have it. <laughs> so, because that's sort of true as well. Like if if we are to discuss anything or get anywhere with anything, we need to presuppose that we have free will. Otherwise, what's the point? Like, <laughs> there's absolutely no point otherwise. And also led me to other conclusions that we couldn't have free will without entropy. If the universe was deterministic, there can be no free will by definition. So maybe free will is connected to entropy somehow. I don't know at all where I'm going with this. Though, where, so. do you, where, where do you land with that in your own ideology of what life is in the sense then do, do you feel that you as Knuts van Holm, have free will unless Sophia says hey time to go I have, have free, no will free will when <laughs> I have free will when when she's not around that's yeah <laughs> I have more of it when she's not around that's for sure <laughs> no but yeah I don't I think agency is a better word Okay. Uh, so, so the, as praxeology tells us, we we anything we do in any deliberate action is to remove a felt uneasiness by using means to reach a certain end because we envision that end to be a better state of being than the one we're in now. Yeah. So so, so true. Yeah. Uh, and to me, a machine can never do that. Uh, Bitcoiners can do that. And by extension, Why? Bitcoin can do that, but that's because Bitcoin is us. It's yes. not because Bitcoin is this, you know, string of numbers. It enables us to, to you know, act in ways that are mutually beneficial. That makes that thing easier. So when I first saw you talking about us being the nodes, I was blown away because you know me, and that's that's. I mean, I know this, I feel this on the deepest of all level that we are Bitcoin. And when I heard you say it as well, I was like, wow, I just how do I love this guy more? <laughs> but I also put it that uh, going back the to Kama what Sutra. I, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Tip of the spear. Come here, come here, let me hug you, oh, baby. Different direction. How so, do I end this look? <laughs> I feel that intent of Satoshi came through the code and some... I, I, like I said to Farmer Jen in Australia, I was going on and on about we are bioelectromagnetic nodes and this and that. And she goes, it could just be hard money, Izzy. I'm like, could be, but it does something in the world. It connects us. Yeah. And if you look at where we are in the human endeavor, what did we need? Fiat money disconnects us, puts yeah. us in enslavement. Yeah. Jeff Booth talks about this a lot, yeah, yeah. right? And to be able to take our sovereignty back 
because I don't think Bitcoin gives you sovereignty. I think it reminds you you already were a fucking sovereign. Yeah, yeah. To be able to take that back, we needed to connect because Knut, or I don't. I was about to dox you, pseudo Finn <laughs> as himself. It's okay. <laughs> you can't fight this system. You can't. They have all the money. They print it. They have all the weapons. They 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 created them. They have the media. And I can get into who they is if you want, but they have all that. So one person is not going to be able to stand up like, a, let's say, a Jesus or whatever and be the Messiah, for lack of a better word, the inspiration for humanity. But what is a connected swarm of what Michael would say, cyber hornets? Yeah, yeah. So I think, very similar to you, that Bitcoin is much more than hard money. It creates a mirror that reflects back our transactional lives and forces us to start asking questions about who we are, what this is, what is education, where was I lied to? And then I look in your eyes and I see the proof of work. Holy shit, he went down the same rabbit holes as me. And so we connect in yeah. this life right here, right now. And the more that of us that connect in this opt-out freedom movement, we change the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to do the Knut thing about the bioelectromagnetic nodes. Great. And then I'm going to bring up uh, some science. The bioelectric, the bioelectric part yep. is literally true. Like the nodes are us and we, our bodies are electrical things. Yes. And they're biological things. But where does the magnetic part come in? Is that a metaphor? No, it's not actually. So if you look at bioelectromagnetism, you see that there's a lot of, um, especially neurological sciences, mm -hmm. neurological studies happen about what happens in the cell structure of the brain. Damn it, I thought I got you there. With bioelectromagnetism. <laughs> and if you look at it as well, just in a macrocosmic, microcosmic way, if the earth is bioelectromagnetic, which we know that it is, mm -hmm. then we're born of this earth. How are we not of that same thing? Well, modern medicine knows that we are because they study on an intercellular level how, how that mm -hmm. uh, affects human thinking and yeah. physiology. So when I say we're bioelectromagnetic nodes, it's not a metaphor. Excellent. <laughs> Good answer. There's probably some doctor out there going, Jesus, he just bastardized my whole life work. <laughs> speaking of bi uh, magnetic and uh, doctor, uh, <laughs> a doctor friend of mine recently told me a story about a, a gut surgery he had to do, and they wonder what the fuck did this guy do? And it turns out he ate two neodyme magnets. <laughs> wow. So he ate the first one, waited for an hour or two and ate the other one. And they go through his belly and like... <laughs> And it's stuck. <laughs> so what? don't eat neodyme magnets. <laughs> I forgot we were on film. Yeah, don't eat magnets. For any of you hippies out uh, there, yeah. Earth uh, <laughs> don't don't go down the. You know, hippies in the sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties, they they walk around barefoot, and they're talking about, "Hey, man, I'm fucking. I'm I'm just. Can we curse on here? I'm we're cursing, right? Uh, fuck yeah. Sorry, mom. Uh, I love you. Uh, <laughs> I love you a lot." Um, but they would say, hey, man, we're, we're earthing. We're just earthing. And all the sciences would be like, these guys are so stupid. Not, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. But nonetheless, they weren't stupid at all. We know well, most of them were. We <laughs> it's because they had so many psychedelics, they <laughs> broke their brain in half. But they knew that standing on the earth, 
this is that experiential science. They, they had at least 80 IQ. Oh, sorry for cutting least, you off. Yeah, maybe yeah. 78. Yeah, yeah. But they knew a couple of things. At least this was my experience in being a, a low IQ hippie after <laughs> medicine. I may not have segued from that, but um, when you go barefoot on the earth, you feel you feel the difference. And now we have studies that that prove yeah. that that shows what happens to your cells, what happens in your body when you're when you're connected it, with the earth. Yeah. And then another element of that is as well when you walk barefoot. You're sending constant information from your foot to your brain mm -hmm. about you need to move this way, you need to segue this yeah. way. There's a sharp rock. Yeah, that's why we have this big prefrontal pre cortex. Yeah. It's, it's it's mainly to to coordinate movement. You know, standing yeah. up, walking. Yeah, and so when we put these shoes on with these great, they're like rubber coffins. Uh -huh. We deny the ability to develop that in a sense. I'm not saying it's bad to wear shoes or anything. Take your fucking it, shoes off. Yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. I, I am a little bit. I just think, <laughs> like, there was a Bitcoiner uh, in Australia recently, and he was like, I probably haven't had my shoes off on the earth in three years. I'm like, you need to go outside right now and just walk around. And, and from a health perspective as well, if you look at the studies that were done with some of the Swedish and Finnish children who go barefoot year-round, they don't get sick a lot. They're exposed to the elements a lot more. Mm. I mean, the, you can't say it's only because of that, but that exposure has got to be more healthy. Is this the section that is going to trigger that YouTube alg algorithm with the fact-checking? I hope so. <laughs> Just we'll call see. this episode Pro Science with yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a good title. Probably we've yeah, yeah. got the, the title now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You and, guys are uh, assholes. You know what's funny? When I love I, you. When I love I, you, I love you, Izzy. He means it. I mean it too. When I visited you guys in Sydney, uh, I someone told me that Australia is made of iron ore, like mostly. It's mostly iron ore. It is Gondwana land. Does it have the it, thickest mantle? And I felt like more grounded. Like there was something special about walking around in Australia compared to different continents. You being serious? Yeah, yeah. I'm being sort of serious. I, I, I think wow. it's just my brain playing tricks of me mostly because of my, you know, stubborn denying everything attitude but but uh yeah there's a there's a feeling there and i i i have a cousin down there who who told me about that and that he felt one with the land and all of this stuff he's deep into meditation and stuff as well so like i think there's something to australia it's when i went to based. <laughs> when i went to australia i was only going to stay 18 months on the on that job contract and in, then you in, missed your flight in <laughs> <laughs> 30 years later. <laughs> and, and, and my parents were asking me, like, why do you want to stay? And I said, I don't know. There's two things. One, there's a different, it feels like there's a different moral consciousness here. Like Australians mm -hmm. didn't take themselves too seriously. No. And they don't let you take yourself seriously. No, either. I love that. I love it too. Yeah, yeah. And then the other, what you said, I just felt grounded. I just felt a, it's going to sound wanky. Based is the word. Pull to be there, like something in that place felt like you're you're meant to be here. This is yeah, where yeah. you meant to walk around. And they say that Byron Bay in Australia uh, is very similar to that because it was the indigenous. Um, they had a lot of sacred ceremony there, and it, it sort of holds this energy, if you will. But yeah, they talk about what is below the earth as well. But it was um, Gondwana land, right? It was part of Gondwana. And it's studied that it has the thickest crusts or, or mantle beneath the 
mm-hmm. beneath the earth as well. That that um, all of Australia and what used to be the the portions that broke away. So maybe there is something in that. Maybe. Definitely Maybe. call it bro science. I have to come back and make an uh, empirical study. Well, you're an honorary. I don't know if your listeners know this, but you're an honorary Australian. That that, that was immediate. Thanks, Bruce. People people <laughs> in Australia were like going crazy that Canute was coming down under. It was amazing, actually. And you, and doing that panel with you up on stage, me, you, and Mike Dunworth is Bitcoin Alive. It's one of the funnest things I've ever done. Yeah, same here. I you absolutely know? love that. It was just because such I a love your riff. brains. <laughs> uh, well, Mike's wild. For anyone that doesn't know, like I don't know if you know who Michael Dunmore no, is. No, we have had him on. Uh, yeah, just recently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh, you did. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then he was on Infinity Day as well. Both Peter and Michael were there. Yeah, two months. So, yeah, people. we love them. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. he time locked Bitcoin and put it into the future and said, "Steal yeah. my keys." Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I wild. love this. Love it. Yeah, okay, maybe, I, I mean, I, I experimental and experiential to me is those are the, those are the sciences. Like I experience Bitcoin and I so can't what, verify it, but I can, you'll feel it when you're around me. So where does a priori come in there? Like, Elaborate. Uh, like um, deductive reasoning only, like praxeology and mathematics, like something you you reason yourself to a certain positions from a fixed set of axioms, that type of methodology, which is like that's the thing that changed everything for me. Like realizing mm. that that's that will lead you to more robust conclusions than than empiricism ever can. Uh, Here, let let the ADIQ uh, in the room. Uh, Try to put these two together. I, I think I think a priori and and exper- experiential is that's the same thing. I, I think. Well, experiential to me sounds like empirical. No, but you but you 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 do the deduction part, uh, right? Yeah. Like that's that that's the whole thing. If you if you can just deductively reason the entire thing, then you're doing the experiential part of it. Yeah. And, and 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 the other side of it is if if all you've got is is your experience, how you're experiencing something, well, then that's. That's true, but you're not producing evidence for that. And no. the the uh, the out of your ass science a posteriori is is uh, is uh, uh, you, you know like that. That's the scientific method, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. So so um, yeah, it's not really out of your I, ass, I think, but yeah, it kind of is. And you yeah. can't have one without the other. No, like, so it's. I think it is the two sides of the coin. It's just said differently because the the praxeological part, right, where where this sort of like let's let's build the set of axioms that actually explains the the world in a real sense. Well, yeah, it's the the sense of experience, and so I, I think just talk about two things different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. There is a. Uh, I, I agree with that. I think we come from it from those different angles and sort of. The, the the speech or the vernacular sometimes maybe can make it seem like it's different, but it's not. But what I get from Knut, you have this amazing ability to process information, categorize it, and almost metabolize it in, for a certain, to use that word, in a way that you digest it and it all makes sense to you. I, I think Twitter had a, a big role in in helping me develop that skill, really? if you will, uh, because you were limited to 144 characters, and I, I love that limit. This is something I realized when uh, producing music a long time ago. That like when all the soft synthesizers came and all the digital effects and stuff, you had 
instead of being constrained, you had this vast ocean of tools to use to produce music, which led you to like polishing a turd for a year instead yep. of just taking a better take of the song or something. There's a, oh, the hi-hat sound is wrong. You should have another reverb on the hi-hat or whatever. So I figured out over time that creativity requires uh, boundaries. Like if you're, if you're pursuing something creatively, like uh, if you don't have, if you don't set boundaries for yourself, you're gonna, you're gonna hinder the process by having too many options. So, and I think there's like a band like the White Stripes is a very good example of that. Like they limited themselves to, we're only going to use, it's only us two, a drum kit and guitar. That's it. Like you can find you know, freedom in there. Yeah. As you well. can, and you can, because you, you, you're forced to find this true expressions, if yes. you will. And that's why I often like a, a um, sketch better than an oil painting. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. So I, I think there's some there's a flow part of, of creativity and that you need to, I mean, if you work on something forever, I mean, I love the roof of the 16th chapel as much as the next guy, but, but still there's something to spontaneity and keeping a flow in creativity and being... Uh, I learned a lot from uh, the um, South Park documentary Six Days to Air. Okay, it's, it's, so it's it. about how they make South Park, and Trey Parker writes the script in two days. So, so they they uh, they start thinking about it six days before it airs, and they make the entire episode, which is fucking amazing. Yeah, turn around, it's uh, yeah. incredible. And and he says that he could have worked uh for an extra month on the script, and the script would have become five percent better. Yeah, right. So so the last month it's it's just this unnecessary polishing and I think he's a better writer now because he learned how to be satisfied with with 95% perfection and and then just moving on to new things. So and of course it's subjective and different for different people, but I think you have to find if you're doing any anything creative, you have to find your your approach to it. And I know many people in Bitcoin that that are writing books, yeah. but they're never done because they're perfectionists. There's a lot of perfectionists here. It uh, can be the death note. I experienced yeah. that in business. Uh huh. You know, and luckily I've surrounded myself with some absolutely amazing Bitcoiners because they're like, "Nah, is he bringing now? It's it's ninety five percent right, and it's the enough. rest, the other five percent, will work out in market. Yeah, or will work out in the board meeting." Yeah, where I'm kind of like, yeah, no, I just want to take a little bit more time. No, no, we're going now. Yeah. Well, what would you say at the start of this? Fuck it, we're going live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just to circle back to what we were saying before, Bill O'Reilly quote <laughs> about about you know, I approach life in a nonsensical way. <laughs> no shit. But I, <laughs> I feel as a human being that I've been indoctrinated into what it means to be a human being. Yeah. And I saw that in my, in my 20s. That's actually why I left medicine. I remember the day, Knut, I was standing in front of my mirror, pushing my tie up, and I just thought, this is, this is ridiculous. This is bullshit. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to see some patients. I'm going to put some scrubs on, go into the theater uh, surgical room, and then I'm going to put my suit back on, come home and put my fucking comfy clothes on. Why am I not wearing my comfy clothes all the time? And then that begged the question, 
why are we as humans like go to school, learn this, go to college, get a job, get a mortgage, get married? Like, there's got to be something more to being human, right? And when I started looking for what that was, I, I quit medicine immediately. And so I was when you like, were a surgeon. Yeah, I was. Well, what I, kind of surgeon? The proctologist? What? The, <laughs> you'd like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I was the biggest shit coin uh, surgeon ever. I was a hair transplant surgeon. Hair transplant yeah, surgeon. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had this moment where I looked, and it's like, what did the uh, ancients say? Where do where do we find? Like we see it in the Temple of Delphi. No say to ipsum. Know thyself, and you find that phraseology everywhere. Know yourself. Know yourself. And when I looked around, I'm like to use the recent catchphrase these motherfuckers right here are not real they, they are not knowing themselves i mean not to be judgmental but i was i was like i don't want to go down that path and i made a promise to myself i said when i left the exact amount of time that i've listened to other people i'm going to do exactly and only what i want to do in life and that Wonderful. My North Star is going to be, I just want to know who I am, mm -hmm. like what this is. I don't, I'm not opposed to having marriage and children and all that. I mean, I, I gave that up with some wonderful partners to, to follow this path. So there was, there was a lot of sacrifice there. But to follow that, to understand better who I am and what this is, I guess that's why I lean on the experimental, the experiential bro science because I've lived it and I did it for 26 years. I can see you getting emotional about this stuff. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, very, very much so because, um, I mean, what are we here for if, if we don't understand who for we the are? We're here for the lulls. We could be. We could be here for the lulls. But I really deeply think life is a mystery and it's not meant to be solved. It's just meant to be lived. Yeah, yeah. And your mystery is different than mine. Yeah. What I've tried to do in, in that pathway is constantly get out of my own way. Hmm. What are my beliefs? How do I drop them? How do I get to a place of, I don't know, hmm. but I, and I'm cool with not knowing. That's so crucial, I think. Like, I think people in general have, a, a, a lot of people have this urge to have answers to stuff. Like, that's why people become religious. That's why they trust the science and like that's why they trust governments and trust authority in general is because they they have this urge for free lunch <laughs> they 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 want there to be an answer to everything and uh, and to some some deep questions that they find troubling and they they like if you can find a way to live with the knowledge that you don't know and i think life becomes way easier yeah <laughs> yeah heaps easier and you know another thing i thought of what you know what i what i would call you know leaving hair transplant surgery <laughs> for soul searching what a bald move <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> you're so good at these things these little quips you know that right I've been standing with you before. It's not a quip. I'm being sincere. <laughs> it is a bald move. It's definitely a bald move. Two pay. Two shame. <laughs> Two shame. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
that was my journey. That that's what, um, and that journey as well, if you will, like sent me down the the rabbit hole of understanding. This whole thing is a game. This whole thing is a racket. They, uh, I, I, in 2002, 2003, 2004, I was going deep down the Federal Reserve rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I knew what the game was. I had felt it as debt, being a debt slave, but I didn't know how it started or what it meant. And then when I understood what it meant, I was searching for something like Bitcoin. Were you ever depressed? Yeah, it um, it takes its toll because I remember my. I mean, I don't know if depression is a word, right? Mm-hmm. I just know that hurt. It hurt because I understood things about the world, and when I would try to talk to people about that, my best friends, they're like, "Ah, is he?" And I'm like, "No, this is a racket. You live in a racket." How can you prop up this racket with your with your choices every day? You you're a consumer. You're 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 propping up the very thing that inside rips your soul apart, and you fucking know it. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point. You asked me if it was depressing. I got to a point where I made a couple of choices. One was I am not going to buy anything. I'm not going to trade my life energy buy something for someone that I wouldn't sit down for Sunday dinner with. And that's a really difficult choice because all of a sudden you can't buy anywhere. You don't want to go to the big conglomerate stores because when you research them, they don't hold the same ethos that I have. But it brought me back to farmer's markets. It brought me back from buying my milk directly from farmers. And hmm. it was hard, yeah. And, and I guess at times like, oh, you left this great career and then I had a career in film. You left that great career. It was... Like, what, is there something wrong with me? Why am I walking away from this stuff? But I knew that there was something more out there and I had to find it. So how are you enjoying this episode so far? Before we dive back in, first, a little bit about our sponsors. First up, Wasabi Wallet, the privacy by default, open source, non-custodial Bitcoin wallet with CoinJoin built in. It's the easy to use, comprehensive, affordable way to make your coins private. And the best part is they've been making huge improvements to the app. They're really focusing on the user experience, adding advanced features for power users. They just keep getting better. You send your coins to your Wasabi wallet and they get combined with loads of other coins using the Wabi Sabi protocol. So they're private on the other end. Your tracks are covered so you can work on expanding your freedom footprint without worrying about your privacy. So check out wasabiwallet.io and download Wasabi today. Next up, Orange Bill app. The Bitcoin social layer app for iOS and Android, where you can stack friends who stack sats. You can connect with your favorite Bitcoiners on the app, make local connections, and even connect with Bitcoiners around the world. And a big feature on Orange Pill app is vents. You can see what's going on in your area and connect with Bitcoiners around you. I've been to multiple Orange Pill app events and they brought Bitcoiners together from all over. The best part is, you know it's high signal. There's no spam on Orange Pill app because everyone pays to be there. It's just $3 a month. So download Orange Pill app on Apple or Android and get connected to the Bitcoin social layer. Next up, our new sponsor, The Bitcoin Way. Their mission is to onboard, educate, and remove barriers to taking self-custody of your Bitcoin. They cover everything from cold wallets to nodes, no KYC Bitcoin purchases, inheritance planning, payments, and more. 
Whether you're new to Bitcoin or you're an experienced Bitcoiner looking to expand your freedom footprint, or you know someone who this sounds perfect for, the Bitcoin way has something for you. They have a skilled team, well-versed in the Bitcoin space, and their goal is to make all the complexities of Bitcoin as straightforward as possible for everyone. And the best part is you can get started with a free 30-minute call with their team. Go to thebitcoinway.com contact for more info. All right, back to it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and brush your teeth. Was there a specific moment when Bitcoin clicked for you? Like, uh, yep. I guess having researched the Federal Reserve and stuff, like uh, uh, that contributed to you finding Bitcoin at a quite early point. Like, yep. is there a specific moment you, of clarity that you remember? The abstract. The paper. Yeah. Yep. 2010. I um, actually, it was in the title. I remember reading the title. Thank you, uh, Trace Mayer. Trace Mayer for um i know you brought us member wimble which is really fucking weird but um thank you for pointing me in the direction of of bitcoin there's no trace of trace anymore uh, no. no and do you know he said that early yeah, days. yeah i know i know that was yeah, a, yeah. that's a bald move poof bald move <laughs> um I, I i i remember sitting at my at my old antique wooden desk overlooking the bay and it was like bitcoin a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system has Bitcoin. I've never heard that word before. What is bit? And it just, it, I had this feeling like, wow, this is so new. And then a peer-to-peer -peer is like, boom, you had me at hello. I get it. I understand. <laughs> I'm a torrenter. Demon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Demonoid pirate yeah, yeah. way back, right? And I understood you cannot shut that down. Electronic cash system, that's what I was looking for. You know, I knew that we lived in a corrupt world. And so when you asked me, was there a moment that that happened? It was the abstract. When I read the abstract, I felt if I, I, had, I hadn't read the paper yet, but I read the abstract and I felt if this thing, what I'm reading can accomplish what it said in that short paragraph, mm -hmm. this is going to change everything. Mm -hmm. It's going to change what we think about. Um, life because everything is transactional. It's going to change how we feel about energy because it's going to redefine what energy means to us, how we extract it, how we create it. And so for me, that was the moment of holy shit. But then I read the white paper and I realized I am such an idiot. I don't understand any of this math. I don't understand any of this. But circling, just, just circling back to what we said before about leading a nonsensical life, my dear mother, who's still my best friend on the earth to this day, like best friend of all, she taught my sister and I, trust your gut always, no matter what, trust your gut instinct. And by doing that, and I suppose that's why I come at it from an experiential, experimental type of science, because experiential to me is more important because it's a feeling I get. I've honed that in such a way that I trust it. And it does not lead me astray in my life. So when I read the abstract, I was like, yeah, wow, this is, this is what I want. This is, this is what I've been looking for. Yeah. But I didn't come out of the closet for a decade. It was the pandemic that brought me out. I got pissed off. Uh -huh. and, now, and now you're the um, CEO of the Amber app. Yes. And uh, I know you have some plans I, for that, where that is going and uh, yeah. how it's going to 
evolve? And could you give us the TLDR on the, on that thing? No. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone. Um, <laughs> it totally happened by happenstance. I went uh, on a speaking tour. Like I said, the pandemic really pissed me off. I just mm -hmm. felt like, why am I hiding? I'm not Satoshi. I mean. Uh -huh. Aren't you? <laughs> uh, definitely not. Uh, we all are. And I get that. Um, but I just not thought, freak. why am I hiding? Like, what if I, I, I've made these sacrifices in life, so why don't I put myself out there fully? And it was so weird. Maybe this goes back to the Joseph Campbell following your bliss because mm -hmm. you asked me if I was depressed, right? Okay. So the pandemic to me was an am amazing experience. I extracted myself from Melbourne. We had this, I, I will answer your question about Amber. Yeah, yeah. Um, Melbourne was horrible. Like 18 months lockdown, you, you couldn't leave your house. And so I was like, fuck this. I'm going to go out. And uh, it was a German guy, got stuck in Australia. We, um, I moved to an old warehouse and uh, we built a sauna. We dug gardens. We sparred every single day in martial arts, like for hours. And it was the best experience ever. But I saw everyone else going through horrible, horrible. They lost their businesses, couldn't leave their house. Kids were suicidal. And it pissed me off. I was like, everything that I thought about these tyrannical powers that be is playing out. And if people don't think that, if people think, oh, you know, this just happened and it was about this COVID virus, wake the fuck up. Have you ever seen government work together? This was a perfect worldwide lockstep movement. That's not happenstance. And so that really upset me. And I, and I felt like, okay, I prepared for this. And you asked me if I was depressed. After my friend from Germany depressed, after he left, I, I think I got depressed because I was like, I prepared for this my whole life. I felt like I'm meant to fight and I wanted to go down and be on the street and fight. And my mother said, don't, you know, don't, don't um, miss an opportunity. Like you, you, you may not need to fight the battle. You're in the war, but you have to choose your battles. And I was like, yeah, but I just want to go down there. And she's like, hmm, can't tell you, but be careful. Had I done that, I wouldn't be the CEO of Amber App. Had I went down there and got arrested, wouldn't be the CEO of Amber App. So I, did I get depressed? Yeah, I think so. I, I just started smoking copious amounts of uh, cannabis to to like drowned out. Like I'm meant to be doing something. I don't know what I'm meant to be doing. How do I, like, I feel, like I'm feeling useless. Like all this preparation, what I'm just gonna not use it. And then Wizard of Oz said, um, <laughs> He said, uh, Izzy, I'm, I'm, I'm going around the world. We're going to speak at a conference. Do you want to come? And I was like, okay, I'll take a shot. I'll, I'll just, because for a decade, I never wanted anyone to know I was a Bitcoiner other than my family and friends. I wanted to stay private. And then when I stepped out, started speaking, that was my bliss. And you sort of realized that we are your family and friends. Right? 100%. 100%. And that led me to, opening up, realizing that I am an 80 percenter <laughs> and that, yeah, we're all weird. We're all weirdos. I mean, I ATI cure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But now I'm with a bunch of weirdos and it felt right. And then again, to Wizard of Oz, he said, um, Alex had, had uh, left the company that he founded, mm -hmm. moved on to some more philosophical pursuits and 
and there were some issues in his own life that he wanted to sort out. Mm-hmm. This thing has opened up, and um, do you, do you want to run it? And I, I said, no, no, not at all. You, you no. do it. I'm, just, I'm a hair transplant surgeon. Yeah, man. <laughs> I've actually acted in film as well. I fought Jackie Chan in my first film. But anyway, back to the CEO, right? So, um. <laughs> I, I he asked me if I wanted to do this, and I said no because he's well suited. He, he he's a very successful man. I really, really deeply look up to Wizard of Oz. I, I love him so much. He's done so much for Bitcoin, yeah, yeah, and here he is offering me this position to run an exchange. And secretly behind the behind the lines, I was researching the hell out of this company because I knew about it. I tried it early days. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, it's very, very easy UX. And it took me about four months. Um, and then I went into negotiations with the board. Similar to you, I just said something ridiculous because I thought they would say, get out of here. You, you can't have any of that. But they went, okay, yep, <laughs> let's do that. And I was like, holy shit, okay, I'm going to run this company. Um, but for me... Um. Yeah, it's it's the best thing that ever happened in my entire life, and every step that I've taken prepared me to be right where I am because um, I just want to educate the entire world on Bitcoin. We have an ethos in our company. I said it at the start. We focus on the orange glowing light. Anything yeah, outside yeah. of that makes no difference. No. So the hero's journey is important to me because I've overlaid our our entire educational content around that. And we've taken it from Amber App. I acquired VoltPay. Uh, well, Aqua acquired it because the person who created it agreed to become our CTO, mm-hmm. brought that with him. We created additional uh, adjacent products and services, and we're about to launch globally. Um, and the whole mission is, no matter where you are on your Bitcoin hero's journey, I want to help you. I want to give you some product. If you're not ready for a node, that's fine. Where are you? Mm-hmm. You're ready to buy KYC? I got you. And I'm not the only one. Like there are a lot of exchanges and brokerages out mm-hmm. there, but I want Amber App to be the place where someone can set up their Bitcoin life, no matter where you are. If you're at Collaborative Custody, great. Here's Tribe Key. Use this. If you're all the way down the line where you are never KYC, fantastic. We're introducing Sovereign Sats. So it's uh-huh. a peer-to-peer uh, multi-seek escrow. I just want to help people come to Bitcoin and understand it and be able to have the ramp to be a Bitcoiner. And I don't want you to hold your keys on my exchange at all, ever. Like, I want you to be self-sovereign. So, so you're sort of lining it up for, for this, uh, we're all incentivized to help one another yes. type of thing. Like yes. looking for collaborations. Yeah, 100%. Just had a little brief um, conversation with uh, Roy yeah. from Breeze. Yeah. Big hug. Big, long, weird hug, right? Yeah. We're just hugging one another. And he goes, wow, let's talk. And I'm like, yeah, let's find some sort of yeah. something that we can do together. Yeah. I, I I get some ideas just listening to this. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What Have do you feel? I, I feel that we're on the same mission. <laughs> uh, like, that's what, uh, you know, I've been ranting about it for a year and a half. On, like, we're, uh, but it it feels like, it's this weird living the meme thing, <laughs> like uh, what I experienced with with the um, uh, Infinity Day, for instance. It's just like put an idea out there, and it, it somehow manifests into reality. And I think this we're experiencing what we what we've set up 
through this show for non that that was a big part of it and like having these conversations with people and people seem to tap into i mean i feel that collaborative vibe even stronger this year than last year might be a bit fewer people here this year like a hundred less than last year or something but it's still the vibe is so it's this love is in the air for better word for lack of a better word you enjoying it uh, enjoying the fuck out of it of course yeah Luke you enjoying it oh yeah this whole thing is so surreal because I, I mean I I got into Bitcoin only a couple of years ago and last year's Riga was my coming out into Bitcoin and uh, I, I had no idea I arrived in in Riga I, I Knut and I we'd done our first episode maybe two of the of the pod at consensus yeah and yeah. and and so we we had done those before Riga but we 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 didn't know each other yet no we were we were working together a little bit but we didn't know each other no. yet but but well we got to know each other and yeah. it all started and 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 suddenly we're we're just uh doing this crazy insane thing and and it, you know b- back last year you were one of the people who made the biggest impression on me just and and you looked a lot different <laughs> had a beard down to here yeah a beard down to there yeah yeah you Those were pre ceo days exactly <laughs> yeah 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 but but uh, and but then and then a year later you know next time seeing you in in person it's just like the the instant connection is is still absolutely there. There and and we we all go off like we all go off into our own little corners of the world and we we do what we do right but then we all come back and see one another and I mean I think that's the best part of these conferences is is just to to build the connections yeah. and 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 grow it and it's amazing we have Zoom and all of these communication tools to Orange Pill app Orange Pill app yeah, yeah, yeah. shout out to Orangeville yeah, yeah. Lab, Mateo, yeah. Brian, shout out. That's massive. Yeah. yeah. And how, how it connects all this, uh, like the, the, the Satoshi Rakamoto is, is the, the, um, Noster party here. They're the, they're the same entity now. Like, y- yeah. And, and, and then, so it's, it's great that we have the, the tools to stay, to stay connected over, over the internet and everything, but being able to come here, uh, anywhere, be in the same physical place, hug, and and keep that connection going. I mean, that, it, it's amazing. So I, I'm loving it, and and the Bitcoin community has been amazing to me in a, in this last year. And and I'm just trying to give back the the way I can. I, I think that that making this show is the best way to use my skill set right now. Maybe I'll start doing some more things, but I I love this show. So yeah, this is this is like I'm I'm living the dream right now, brother. Well, it, it's proof of work as well. You're one of the hardest mer- working men in Bitcoin, or not? <laughs> what? Well, you are. I mean, uh, it takes a lot to produce a show. People don't realize that it takes a yeah, lot. Yeah, when he when he has a fiat job as well, it's the, yeah. That's what that what, that might be what makes it the hardest working man. Exactly I right. I would say he's the uh, uh, definitely the uh, hardest working Canadian Finn in Bitcoin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll probably take that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I know about production and it takes a lot, man. And and you But you, the tools are getting better. So yeah. Not not to degrade you in any sense. Like, no, 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 like, pretty uh, soon we won't need you. No, pretty soon, no, no. But but you know, who's need you? <laughs> Some guy well, I I'm, use. Yeah, to no. Know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's when um I mean 
Luke is already being a, a bigger and bigger part of the show as as far as the content goes. Like we're yeah, in the good. beginning, you were just the sidekick, and now we're equals. I was, like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like I I still stay a little bit more in the the background, but uh, you know, I, you can come and sit in my lap if you want. <laughs> oh, okay, you can be in the foreground. Can right I here. sit on your laptop? <laughs> So we had in Australia what we call as a D and M. Okay, you and I had a D D D and M yesterday. It's a deep and meaningful. It's when you opened up about your ah uh, yeah love of your life and what it meant to live where you are and everything like that. That's to me is is a beautiful thing to be able to, and I find it more and more and more with Bitcoiners. Mm-hmm. You you go to these uh, I guess you could say social normie events and people are like, oh hi, Canut, uh, uh, what mm-hmm. do you do for a living? Really? Uh, what car do you drive? Uh, How big's your penis? Uh, All yeah. this weird <laughs> shit, right? Whereas a Bitcoiner will literally, <laughs> what kind of party were you at? How big's uh, your penis? No, they will have li- a look at your penis instead. Like, yeah. oh by the way. <laughs> For anyone that knows, I had a weird moment in the, in the <laughs> no, bathroom you did, yesterday. No, you didn't. No, I did. I did for two reasons. Cut this part out. No, you can't. <laughs> We're not going to this, this, this is what people want to see. So there's a great, um, who put it up there? It would have been Max Hillebrand's company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the sticker they had it in Prague as well. It's a great ad for oh. Wasabi. And so I'm, I'm going to the bathroom, and of course, being a guy, you're holding your business, and you're like, you read the sign, this is what it feels like to hold Bitcoin. And I'm like, does it? Is that what it feels like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. And then out of nowhere, it just comes around. <laughs> and then disappears. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> but when you look in the eyes of a Bitcoiner, I think we open up because we see the proof of work and we're like, I already trust this person. Yeah. Been through it. You understand. Whereas if somebody's wearing a mask and they're just like what do you do how's your job where did you get that suit blah 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 you're like no it doesn't mean anything to me what we're talking about and isn't it wonderful to just drop all the masks we're wearing like and just be yourself because you can <laughs> like and then you realize that people respect you more and not less yep like That's just the be fear, who the fuck it? you are. Like it's the, wake up every morning, be yourself. It's wonderful. Like, uh, and you can't really do that in fiat because there are, I mean, there are social codexes in every sure. community, and like, but but having a leveled playing field where there is no like fiat feudalism, if you will, to uh, nice. play into. Uh, th- there's no like. People respect you for your ideas and what you do rather than like what kind of shirt you're wearing. There's a difference in that, what do you call it? Fiat feudalism. Yeah. So in that fiat feudalism, uh, everyone should be equal because that's part of the... Yeah. Well, no, we're not equal. No. Put me next to LeBron James. We're not equal at all, right? No. And if, in, if we're all equal, there's no trade. That's it. There, there, there's no. There's nothing. And... What about the expression of uniqueness? We're unique, right? Yeah, yeah. And Bitcoiners honor uniqueness. Yeah. And I love that. I love that in this community. But it's it's a hundred percent equality of opportunity and zero percent equality of outcome. Yeah. 
Do you remember the Satoshi skull that Greenpeace commissioned that artist? Of course, I had a pin, uh, a Satoshi skull pin on my uh, the, the hat I bought in, <laughs> in in Sydney. You remember the, yeah, the shark tooth Chinese? Cobra. Yeah, there wasn't a cobra. Calling you Mister Hat, by the way. Yeah, I think they have for quite a few years. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of the rare times you you're not wearing a hat. But with, yeah. with that with that skull, that that epitomizes exactly what you're talking about. So Greenpeace thought. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna wax these these bitcoiners, and we're gonna get this artist to do it. And what did bitcoiners do? Wow! Hey, check out that skull. That's a fucking cool skull. They're calling it Satoshi's skull. skull. Yeah, yeah. We owned it. Yeah. It's like we absorb whatever yeah, yeah. You uniqueness can't. is out there, whether they it's being uh, targeted at us as, as a weapon. Or just something that someone creates and we go, yeah, it's awesome. Like I remember the meme, there was a, a kid looking at it going, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Bitches love skulls. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and oh, I saw, please don't watch this episode. I'm so sorry for cursing. And I saw, I saw a post today on Twitter with an, uh, from a person with at least 85 IQ who said, like, there's, you can't fi fight uh, 80%. Uh, you can't fight the uh, 80 IQ people. And damn right, pro tip, like, you can't fight us. <laughs> what was that? Uh, I think it was Mark Twain, don't argue with an idiot quote, something like that. <laughs> and the Pratchett quote, which I love, like, real stupidity beats artificial intelligence every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to me, Bitcoin is the epitome of uh, real stupidity. It's the power <laughs> of real stupidity because it's 100% real. Like, and that's better. <laughs> and what's the, what's the other quote you 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 always say something but don't don't wrestle a pig because the pig likes it or what yeah, is it because regardless of outcome the pig wins because the only thing the pig craves is the attention yeah yeah the show is also sponsored by zellox that's x-e-l-l-o-x -L -L they've developed the excellent yokis seed plate kit the solution against everything life throws at you including fire water corrosion and pests the Yoki's package includes three stainless steel plates and a pen-sized electric engraver so you can write your seed on metal just like writing on paper. And they have big plans. They're developing a next-gen hardware wallet too. But for now, you can order the Yoki's to safeguard your keys in a safe and convenient way. Check out Zellox at zellox.io. That's X-E-L-L-O-X dot I-O. And finally, we're also sponsored by Bitcoinbook.shop your source for Bitcoin books in over a dozen languages, including all of Knut's books. Their mission is to translate great Bitcoin and freedom-oriented books into as many languages as possible, while also publishing original titles to get even more knowledge out there. Use code FOOTPRINT for 10% off your purchases at bitcoinbook.shop. Well, tangent to that, like, are we a cult or are we leaving a cult? Well, first, you, to, to really get to the bottom of that question, right, we have to define what cult is, and then we have to look at who gave the definition of cult and why to be able to answer that question if you're serious. Yeah, I th the way I see it, a cult requires a leader. They're definitely not in a cult. No, uh, that's the way I see it. Uh, fiat, though, is a cult, like because it requires you to believe in this thing dictated by some entity like <laughs> fiat yeah by decree by decree someone had to decree it yeah whereas you actually gave the simplest explanation of bitcoin i've ever heard it was so beautiful 
Um, I was doing a presentation. We're all a bunch of homos. <laughs> <laughs> you said, um, I reached out to Gigi. I reached out to Eric and some other people. And I was like, I'm doing this presentation. Uh, just tell me what Bitcoin means to you. And Knut messaged me back and he said, Izzy, don't overcomplicate it. It's so simple. It's just a bunch of people agreeing on a set of rules. Yeah. Yeah. We agree to disagree. Yes. That's what we, that's, yeah, we, what we talked to Tour about yesterday. That's like the, that's my definition of a Bitcoiner now. It's a person who deeply agrees to di disagree <laughs> because we, we agree to disagree. <laughs> I mean, I'll try to flesh it out a bit more than that, but the consensus and the consensus mechanism is, is about agreeing that we, it's perfectly fine that we disagree. If we don't agree to disagree, we disagree to disagree, which sort of implies violence somewhere down the line. Yeah. Uh, agreeing to disagree is the nonviolent way. It's using conversation instead of force. I mean, you can't fight poverty by fighting prosperity, nor can you fight, nor can you reach world peace by force. The only you, weapon you, you, we have is communication. You can't fuck for virginity you can't fuck for virginity no no and you can't learn cooking by watching jamie oliver with videos i think it's very i think it's very fun i want to put something on the table because i've been grappling with it for two concepts i've been grappling with it for a long time shoot man shoot you guys are great to to go down this this thought process with um there's two things one thank you sir we need glasses i think do we uh maybe not so big ass beer uh, <laughs> <laughs> i just need to be held after um so there's <laughs> so <laughs> i actually think that you know why i hug so much i wasn't always like that um a friend of mine he's a gay poet from yeah. london um, he always used to invade my space and and hug me, and it felt uncomfortable. This is back in the yeah, late yeah. '90s. Yeah, and I realized I asked him one time. I'm like, "You're gay as shit," and he's like, uh, "Yeah, but that's not why I hug you." He goes, "I hug you because you need it," mm -hmm. and I was like, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, but I need it more." And we became best friends, and come to find out, he he didn't have a father. And hugging for him was something that he needed deeply. Yeah. And when I understood that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going in. No matter who the person is, I'm hugging them. Yeah. Same for me. And there's, there's, a, there's a funny thing about the male hug, though. Because I've... I, I, yeah, you did different types of hugs. Yeah. And, out. and it's, it's more common now than it used to be. Because like people who are like 10 years older than me... Uh, or guys that are 10 years older than me, m most of them feel very uncomfortable with hugs. Yeah. Because they're used to a straight up handshake. Yep. And like, uh, when I, whenever I do a handshake now, I do the, uh, you know, white man, black man, Batman thing, and then you know, tap them on the shoulder <laughs> and like whatever Mason, Freemason handshake I can think of, uh, like, because it's, uh, it's not in unnormal anymore. Like it's this yeah. bro thing. And, 
but the male hug, I, I always find it so funny when, the, when you feel that the other person is not used to hugs and it's That's usually that they're a bit old. Closer. Yeah, yeah. You pull them in close. You do the Trump thing. Wow. <laughs> I grab them in the, <laughs> so do you know, just on that, do you know, Australian indigenous Australians, there were some tribes up in Northern territory that when they met, they, they didn't wear clothes. Right. And so when they met, the guys would reach out. They don't do a handshake. They reach out right there and hold the other guy's penis. Oh, really? How bizarre is that, right? I don't know why they do that. Is that like a... I mean, this is verifiable. You can look this up. I'm not making this up. And it's like... Maybe. I suspect, though, is if that becomes the norm in the future, I'm not saying we're going to feel slightly uncomfortable. I'm not saying and I I'm fine with feeling slightly uncomfortable. Hey, Adam, back. How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, we good. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. They say if you don't look in the eyes, you have seven years of bad things. Hmm. That's probably a, a bit too much of bro science for my taste. But yeah. Right. So, I guess back in um, early 2000s, um, I started thinking, I was always really worried about technology. I used to go to libraries. Like, I, I grew up in an era where we didn't have technology in our school. We had the Dewey Decimal System and the card catalog. You know, oh, that, yeah, that yeah. I know what that is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no computers in my library. I know about the Dewey Desmond system from UHF, Weird Al Jankovic movie from the 80s. Yeah, right. Because they mentioned that in a, in a small clip. It's an ad for uh, Conan the Librarian. <laughs> <laughs> Where he says, don't you know the Dewey Desmond system and chops the guy's head off. Yeah. He's a legend, Weird Al. Yeah, yeah. What a legend. Did you see his latest movie? The one it's that was of, made about him? Yeah. I actually thought it was really good. It was really good. I don't good. see movies, but I wanted to see I, that. I, I mean, that's that's how you make a biopic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. So I was always a bit worried about technology. Um, I first encountered it, obviously, computers in, in school. And uh, maybe this was a, a precursor to Bitcoin because I was like, I used to put on a hat and like fucking dark glasses and go into the library and sign in under a different name because I thought, uh, yeah, no, this this is you, this whatever I put in this box is accessible. Mm -hmm. It's like a box with colored lights, and it's going to be accessible to anyone. And I kept that ideology of a box with colored lights. Sometimes this is going in different tangents, but. We get a lot of our information looking at a box with colored lights. Yeah, that used to be the TV. Yeah. Like, be wary of boxes with colored lights. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I was going to say I wanted to riff on is uh, I had this idea sometime in 2000s. I had been toying around with uh, computers for a little bit, trying to understand, trying to play with them. And I had this thought that the things that we create as, as humans, the ability to communicate at distance, mm -hmm. is this something inherent in us that lay dormant? Because there are certain tribes that would talk about, um, like for instance, the, <clears throat> the men going out on hunt. There's been lots of story around this that they knew precisely when something had happened in the village they felt it. 
visually or saw it and they went back. Was this because of the type of handshake they had? Could be. Yeah. Could be. But to my mother, I, I brought up mom a lot. Mom and I, you know, I said we we're best mates. When I was in India and I was doing, I went very, very deep in meditation for the first time in my life. There was one meditation that I did, which lasted three weeks. And you stay silent for three weeks. And the first week for three hours a day, every day, you laugh and you stay silent the other 21 hours. The next um, week, it's a three-week process, you cry for, 21, for three hours a day. And then the other 21, you, you just stay in silence and do your regular shit, right? And the last one, you start observance, which is a um, like vipassana, if you know what vipassana is. It's the witnessing. And it's a very interesting mechanism because I discovered that laughter and tears come from the same place. They actually come from sort of down deep in the belly. And some of the things that I was laughing about, the emotions, uh, I was also crying about the same ones. I remember thinking, that's odd. That's really weird. But the whole thing is a mechanism to get you yeah. to deeply connect this particular process, deeply connect with yourself so you can take a step back and, and observe it. And I begin to wonder, are there, are these technological things that we're creating, is it something inherent in our system, in, in, in our ability as human that lie dormant? Because when I was doing that meditation, <clears throat> I called mom up afterwards, after the 21 days. And she said, why the hell are you calling from India, it cost you a fortune. It did back then. Yeah, yeah. Is that what she said? Well, no. She actually <laughs> said, I had a dream. Um, and I trust my mother deeply. She's a very intuitive woman. Mm -hmm. She said, I had a dream. Um, I had silver cord, two silver cords coming out of my, my chest. There were two of you. And one was going to you. And you were laughing and laughing and laughing. And another silver cord was going to you, and you were crying. I knew mm. you were okay, but I don't know what it means. Hmm. And I'm just going, Mom, can you stay the fuck out of my life for five minutes? I'm trying yeah. to have some privacy <laughs> over here. But yeah, I just uh, so I wonder, it, it's moments like that that I wonder, are we already connected and we've lost it? And somehow by building communication tools on an internet that ultimately connects us all, do we have that? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, similar similar things. First to the laughter uh, and crying dichotomy, if you will. Uh, I, I have a very deep connection with my bro two brothers. We've always been very tight and like, we're, yeah, real brothers. And when our father passed away uh, four years ago, we, uh, we, we, we sort of handled that through an extremely dark humor. <laughs> like we, we made the, the most horrible jokes about the, the whole event. And that's somehow that mended the, the wounds. It's like, it's like two sides of the same coin again. Like it's, you know, laughter is, uh, and, and that's why I think humor is so important to, it's important to ridicule 
stupid ideas. <laughs> like yes. they, they're meant to be ridiculed. Like that's how people get out of these mass psychosis, totalitarianism things. Like the the only way, if we if if speech and communication is the only weapon, which it is, if we uh, if we choose non-aggression, then then ridicule and laughter is the, the best way out of it. Because like, look at that stupid fuck wearing a mask still. Like that. It's, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I mean it literally and metaphorically, mask, you know. Looking at it, it from a medical standpoint as well, I mean, I, I don't want to break your flow because that, I, I really like the deepness and when you talk about you and yeah, your yeah. brothers connecting yeah. in that, it means a lot to me. And I mean, uh, you would, uh, I couldn't even say the things we said to each other about our recently deceased father and his, and his remains, like, because it's, we you understand. Yeah. No, and and like, uh, but I think there's something really, the, the, like the the ability to be able to take life for what it is. It's basically just a ride, and you have one chance to enjoy it. You know, it's not a rehearsal, <laughs> so better live it while while you're here. Like, <laughs> and Whether it, it's every every time you a moment passes, and you're not enjoying it. That moment goes away forever. That's right. That's a, that's a lost moment. Yeah. So, and it can take half a lifetime to figure that out. Well, at the end of the, this is something for me. There's only ever here now. There's mm -hmm. nothing else. No, and, and that's true at all points in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had a conversation with the guy at Bit Block Boom last year, and I could see his face melting. He was like, "What?" Yeah, so, yeah well, it's only ever here now. But, it. but how does it's that actually mean? here now? Sorry, Knut. And I said, he said, no, no, Izzy, that's bullshit. I said, really tell me how it's bullshit. I, and he looked at me and he goes, I can record and play it back to you in mm -hmm. the past. And I'm like, when are you playing it back to me? Yeah. It's only now. ever here now. Yeah, yeah. It's a serious, and to your point, if we don't get out of our own way and live fully in the moment, what are we doing? No, yeah, yeah, we're missing, we're missing the point <laughs> somehow. And so, so it's the John Lennon thing. Life is what happens while you're busy doing other things, right? But um, how how does that connect to low time preference, though? Like, if if there's only here and now, how do you? And I I really cherish the living in the moment thing. Uh, but in, in your view, how does that connect to, you know, getting a low time preference, planning ahead for the future, making sure that everything works and like this robustness that comes with it. Like how do they, how do those two connect? Because living in the now is, it feels like a high time preference statement. Like there can be no higher time preference than living in the now, right? You're not thinking about the future at all. But but I think the uh, you need you need that to to acquire the low time preference. Living in the now, the way I see it, you have this set of cards on your hand, and the 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 kind of cards you have are partly happenstance, and they're also whatever you built in the past, and wh whatever you are, the sum of your experiences to to some extent. So you have the cards you have at each and every moment. And you can choose to play them in different ways, but they're still Pretty the well. only cards you have. Like you don't have any other cards, so you might as well just live with that. And that's where the now comes in for me. Well, what's your take on that? 
It's something I've thought about, and I can only talk about from my own experience. I'm a creep. I'm a wiener. <laughs> what the fuck am, am I doing here? I, for me, just for me, in that I don't focus on the future. I don't. I don't. Yeah, you do. I really you have don't. to. You're the CEO of a company. You have to focus on the future. I don't buy that, Izzy. I surround Sincerely, my, I don't, don't buy that. Well, ask the people that I work with. Ask my board. They, I don't know how they haven't fired me. But even when <laughs> you're... I'm, I'm, no, I'm no, no, no. But what I'm saying is, even when you're spontaneous and making these flow-based decisions that are completely in the now and you, you go with this feel thing... Oh, my you God. Are, you are preparing for the future. Well, let me elaborate then, because we could be as... Sudofin said before, using different language to say the same thing. I, it, it to me, it's very simple because I understand it experientially. My bro science, <laughs> I understand it that there's only ever here now. So if I'm focused on a future, I'm actually just wishing or setting intention, right? Mm -hmm. Which is fine to do that because the series of here nows in some way equals uh, a mental future, right? Yeah. What I do for myself is I trust. I trust wholeheartedly what I'm doing right now is going to lead to the next moment, the next so you moment, don't verify. the next moment, the next moment, the next moment. I think life is the verification. Yeah, it is. Like the next moment you you, <laughs> you reap what you sow, right? So, and that's the verification part. The hardest part was, I remember early days when I was getting this, uh, when I was beginning to understand this, and I said to one of the greatest loves of my life, um, Alexandra, bless you, wherever you are, you're in France, I know that. Um, one of my close friends, she, uh, she said, do you want to get married? And I'm like, look, I'm on this journey of know thyself. I can't commit. And she goes, well, you, you can't commit. How can we be together if you can't commit? You're not going to love me? I said, I can't tell you whether I'm going to love you. I can tell you I love you right now. And I trust that this feeling is going to go into the next moment. Yeah, you don't say that to a woman. When you're, that's, mm, not no, what they that's, want, that's not what they want to hear. It's not very tactical, no. Yeah, no, no. But, I, but I, from that type of understanding of life, I've developed this trust that I know that the trajectory I'm on is going to equal some type of and as long as in this moment I'm true to myself, I'm true to my intention, and I, and, I, and I found the life hack, I found it, brother. For me and for my company and companies, focus on the orange glowing light. Nothing else is important. We had some people in the company doing memes, comparing shit coins, and I just, I, I just, we got them on a call, and I said, "Listen, I'm going to be. Can I be frank with you?" And like, yeah, and I went, "Don't ever fucking do that." Like, why do you want to bring a shitcoin up to where we are? Well, what's the comparison? There's no comparison. I have never, I know everyone has their own journeys and, and shitcoinery has helped people understand. Yeah. I've never touched shitcoin in my life. I've seen every single one of them come. I well, do you not touch care. dollars and stuff. Like, Ooh, yeah. good point. Good point. <laughs> it's a very good and, point, actually. I and just and a really shitty one, too, the Australian dollar. Yeah. I just don't get me arrested at the airport. I just don't care no, no. about them. So to me, well, I, I, yes, okay. I, I just, I, 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 
I just want to make a point about the commitment and non-commitment thing. And time reference. Yeah. For me, getting married was like... I, Your wife I never, is so lovely. Uh, isn't is she, so isn't she lovely? She really yeah. is. So I, I've always questioned the institution of marriage. I, I don't really buy yeah. into it. And, and then when, when I proposed to Sophia and, and committed to that, I felt like, uh, you know, during my 20s, between 20 and 30, 35, <laughs> I um, had multiple girlfriends and I didn't know where I was going and stuff. So, so like, and uh, I mean, I had, a, <laughs> I had a good time. I had a lot of fun, but I felt like I had no direction. So yes. for me, uh, you know, to me, the act of proposing was showing to her that I was willing to give up my beliefs for her, which, which is the signal in the noise. Mm. And, and I'm then when I make a commitment and make a promise that till death do you, do, does your party or whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever. Or, or, uh, <laughs> that's what he said in the vows yeah. to what, no. whatever. <laughs> I love you. No, but, but I mean that very I'm specifically joking. till joking. death does your part. I'm too autistic to not take that seriously. If I make that kind of a promise, but because I don't, I don't see the point in making that promise if divorce is an option. <laughs> like why that, then the promise is just- Hollow. Yeah, it's a nothing burger, right? A vegan nothing burger. I mean, it's an impossible whopper. You can't, the, the whole point <laughs> is lost if divorce is an option. So to me, like, she's the mother of my, uh, of my children. I'm never going to let go, like uh, that, that's just not in my playbook. And I might regret saying that not somewhere really, down the line, but nah. I, I don't think so. So I think we could be saying the same thing because in a way, like I trust in this moment, I trust it. So I trust that the next moment is naturally going to flow out of this. Yeah. And I never, because of the mission that I was on to know who I am, I never, I felt too selfish to commit in a way to, to a woman of that sense. And I also felt too immature to bring children into the world because I knew that the unresolved issues inside myself, I'd probably screw them up. Hmm. And maybe every parent you know, goes through that. But for me, I was like, I'm not willing to screw someone up. I had this idea that it would um, let me understand myself a little bit better before that happens. And after going through all that, and seeing my friends um, tell me, you know when you know, is he? Like, you meet yeah, yeah. someone and you know. I never had that. Like, I, I had some amazing partners, like two yeah. or three, that just some of my best friends to this day, but I didn't know. But last year, after this conference, I had that experience. You met someone? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, it feels like I met my other half. Fantastic. And so when you say, well, I think I would say whatever she, like, I mean, I, I, yeah, I just feel like I've met the person that it all, it all makes sense. And, and it's crazy because I didn't understand when people said, oh, it's, you feel it. And she and I used to, well. What's I'll, his name? <laughs> uh pseudo finn <laughs> you may know him we uh we found love in the shower um her, her name is samantha oh 
Uh, you, you didn't have to dox her. It's just making a cheap joke. Well, there's a lot uh, of Samantha's in the world. Yes, yes. Samantha Fox is one. She you is remember her? Yeah, I do, yeah. actually. Yeah. But I feel she like had I've, something. I've met my kind of crazy. <laughs> and and we when we talk about it on the phone, like, do you feel that? And I'm like, Wonderful. yeah, I'm fully erect. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that, Izzy. <laughs> Actually, like, it feels it wonderful. It feels incredible. Yeah. So I understand now when how you can look at Sophia and go, "I'm going to promise." Yeah, yeah. Till the end of time, I'm going to be beside so, you. So, is the, are, you, are you doing this here on this pod? Are you proposing here? With like, are you are you willing? I to think commit? she knows. She's. <laughs> uh, I tell her she's my scientific philosophical wife, and she gets all gooey. And is she your your god? Wow. Samantha, your God, has a ring to it, doesn't it? Maybe she is, man. Maybe she is. And we, and, and we might not. We came together through Bitcoin. A friend of ours, like I met a guy at um, the, here at Baltic Honey Badger, uh, Zizzo, comes oh. to me. Zizzo is one of the most wonderful human beings I Isn't know. Isn't like, he? Yeah. That's an instant bromance as well. Yeah. Shout out to you, Zezo. You're S the best. Shout out to Zezo. And we saw each other. And at, he's a great hugger. Yeah, I know. Well, that's how we connected. He was yeah, at yeah. the speaker's it's dinner. It's not the Aboriginal handshake. <laughs> Just a hug. <laughs> he was standing beside a window at the speaker's dinner, and I went over and I looked out the window, and I saw Zezo, and we just turned and we looked at one another, and we had this like real guy moment. And he was like, wow. Yeah, don't underestimate bromances. I 100%, think hundred percent. All, but but just to finish that, he he said to me, he goes, I don't know why is he. You need to contact this this woman, Samantha. I'm like, okay, hmm. and I had been I had actually been purposefully celibate for a long time, and I'm like, yeah, okay, for sure. Um, and I did. Actually, the story gets a little bit deeper. I don't know how deep you want to go. All the way. Dig away. Really? I'm going to go Do there? Do whatever you like, man. Yeah, only, only if you want yeah. to. But I'll go there. Um, he said to me, you need to contact Samantha. And I did. And something happened in that first call. It was like a 45-minute call. I had left here. I went to Isle of Man. I catch up with Danny Brewster and then went to India, back to the place that I love, right? And I got this bungalow on the beach and I was there. And um, yeah, I want to get emotional. I can, I can already feel it. Um, I uh, My mother had been saying to me, uh, you need to pray. Start praying. And I grew up in the Bible Belt. And I'm not sure how I feel about prayer, um, but I just felt like, talking to what was greater than me whatever because i know that i'm a part of something greater than myself i just don't know what it is and i'm not audacious enough to give it a name well you're talking to us yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so i had talked to samantha and which was interesting because zizzo said you need to call this strange woman and you are strange my woman um but the reason I prayed in that um, in that bungalow was um, so about eight years ago I uh, I felt something happening in in my body and um, I, ca I called one of my colleagues his doctor as well and I said yeah something's not right something's going on 
uh, we need to do some tests, some blood tests and figure out uh, what's going on. And uh, we did. And I was literally, I was about to go to India. I had a film premiere. I was flying my whole family over. And uh, he said, yeah, not you. You shouldn't, you, you don't get on a plane. Um, and it culminated in, I said, I am getting on a plane. Uh, I'm going to India. And he said, no, you need to go to the, you need to go see a specialist hematologist. You need to go to the cancer center like now. Um, and there's some very abnormalities in the blood. And I went there and I saw this guy and uh, this wonderful guy, Dr. Max Wolf. And um, he, we took some blood results. Sorry, he took some blood tests at the other doctor and he saw the blood results and he said, yeah, I think I know what this is. It's very rare um, blood cancer. And uh, we don't know the etiology of it. Um, we definitely know it's going to it's going to take your life, um, and you 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 know you're going to have to deal with that. And I remember sitting there with Max, and I was kind of looking at him and just going, "Well, I'm still going to India. Like, I'm flying mm -hmm. my family over for this film premiere. I'm going to India." And uh, he said, "There's a possibility if you get on the plane, you have a heart attack or a stroke." And we worked out, "Okay, let's just take out a lot of blood." Let's mitigate this as, as best we can. So we did. We took out a heap of blood. I was really weak. Got on the plane, went over there, got the bone marrow biopsy back, and he said, yeah, this is a JAK2 gene expression uh, epigenetically, and that's one of the precursors. Put all this together, and you, you've got this. So I said, okay, I'll be back in Australia. We'll talk about this. I go back, and he gives me two pathways. This is the lead up to what happened in India after I talked with Samantha. So you've got two pathways. You're, it's going to take your life. We don't know why it is. Um, but you, you can either do nothing. And you, I said, what's a prognosis? He said, oh, it's two to, two to five years if you don't listen to us. If you do, um, you'll, li you'll live longer, but you're going to have to take cytodudic drugs. You're going to have to take these mm -hmm. type of chemotherapy drugs. And I have a background in medicine, and I know – Nothing against in any type of, med you know, I think allopathic medicine has its place. But for me, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what the causation of this is, uh, where it comes from, why there's an expression, whether it is epigenetic or whether it isn't. Um, and this mm -hmm. was eight years ago. Yeah, it was in March of 2015. So how long ago is yeah, that? Around eight. Yeah. And um, to cut a long story short, I said to him, uh, I actually called my friends together and I said, um, yeah, this is what's happening. I, I may not be around and I need to disappear. I need to go on the outskirts of society, cut off, and I need to start experimenting. And they're very upset. They're like, fucking, you know, how, how are we going to feel if you go and yeah, never yeah. come back? Like, yeah. that's so selfish of you. And uh, I just said, listen, it's, this, uh, this is what I'm doing. You have no choice. Um, I, I'm on a mission. I'm going to figure this thing out. And um, so I disappeared. That was the celibacy. Because <laughs> you can't really. I had to leave my partner at the time. And she was lovely. She was like, you know, I'll be here for you. And I'm like, no. I'm not, he's not putting anyone through this. I don't know what the end result is. So for about four, a little under five years, I just started doing the most ludicrous, ridiculous experiments, um, trying to figure out what 
causes this, what happens. And I won't go into all that. I just wanted to give that as a bit of a backstory. So when I was away from society for a long time, almost killed myself there once, not, not, not took my life, but through the experimentation, mm-hmm. I had a, a Herxheimer reaction. A lot of endotoxins got dumped in the body, and I was it, was, it was, it was, you're looking at the door going, wow, am I, am I not making it out of this door? This is wild. And um, cut to get, going through that, figuring out what it was, being able to recreate it a couple of times, and then tell my hematologist that, and him go, I don't know how you're doing this, but keep doing it and keep a medical file because this is this is going to be important. And I'm like, dude, I've been keeping it from day one. I know what this is. So when I get to India after last year and I talk to Samantha, I didn't know how I would feel about her later, but I dropped down in, uh, in this bungalow. I just started praying because mom had said, pray. I didn't know who I was talking to. I think God is a word. I just knew that I was incredibly thankful for going through what I went through and having this evidence to be able to help people. And I just started like weeping. It felt like years and years of sadness and guilt and everything else just washed away. And I, the, 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 this whole thing was a precursor to tell you what I'm, the statement I'm about to say right now. At the end of that, it may sound cliche, cliche but I felt so cleansed. There's like 20 minutes. On, I buckled. I ended up on my knees. I don't know if that's a religious thing that happens to people or what, but I literally fell down on my knees and cried. And then at the end, and, and it wasn't like painful tears. It was just a washing. And at the end, I just felt, um, I said, well, if there is a God, I'm very thankful, and I'm kind of ready for a woman, if, if, if there's one out there. <laughs> and then ended up having this, um, this wild love affair start with, with Samantha, where I just feel something different than I've ever felt in my life. I mean, life happens so fast, right? And you, you, you go through these ups and downs, and... Trauma is one thing, and like, yeah, what we what we tried to live by here on the Freedom Footprint show. Uh, that sounds like a commercial again, but is this notion of feet on the ground, head in the clouds? Yeah. Like, because you need to be grounded, and you need to be in reality, but you also need to to admit that there's infinite potential. Like, I'm the lizard king; I can do anything. That yes. that kind of vibe, you know. So so. <laughs> So you shouldn't deny either one. I mean, a lot of people are seeking happiness or whatever, and they try to try to live their dream, and it all fails, and they end up with a big mortgage or something, and mm. or, or some trauma happens, and they just can't do it, or they get addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever. Uh, and some people keep their feet on the ground too much, and they end up, you know, doing the same thing over and over again every day. And they're stuck mm. in their hamster's wheels all their lives because they don't see the other roads they could have taken. So, uh, and I think life is basically about that balance between feet on the ground and head in the clouds. That's beautiful. Yeah. That balance makes for a good visual as well. Yeah. Yeah. A really tall guy. <laughs> 
Well, I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me, bar none. I think it was a lot harder for other people. Better than Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was it was the sort of end of that whole trajectory of know thyself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, this is in the Everything Divided book. Uh, like, I truly believe that the, the scarce time we have on this earth is, is what gives its value. <laughs> like, the notion that we're going to die one day is what yeah. gives our actions value. And, like, yes. like, and you get these periodic reminders during your life when someone passes or when you get a diagnosed or when or you're whatever. faced with it right or when you're faced with it yourself or you got to come to reality quickly yeah and you, you you get this reminder that this is going to end one day yeah you, you it, it's not a rehearsal uh, yeah. yeah yeah and the funny thing about that is as well one of the things it taught me was oh my god i've been like every step i've ever taken is one step closer to death yeah and but when i look around everyone's afraid of death like half their actions if not more if not yeah, all yeah or more like, oh, what's better that, do this I think before. A, an Asimov quote. Uh, I love Asimov. Asimov. So it's very quotable. Like, uh, uh, I think it's Asimov. I, I might be t- completely wrong here, but like, life is beautiful. Death is peaceful. It's the transition that bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because like, pain sucks. It sucks. <laughs> But then again, if you 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 said a, you said a sentence before, you said it's just a ride, and it reminded me of uh, Bill Hicks. Mm-hmm. Bill Hicks said it's just a ride. Mm-hmm. Well, and he said uh, it's a choice between fear and love. Yeah, and there there's that dichotomy. You know, we've talked a lot about this before. That yeah. fear and love are two sides of the same coin, and they're equivalent to low time preference and high time preference. Yep. Like when you have a high time preference, and if you so the the thesis is this: If you're stripped of everything you own, so you're thrown out on the streets, on the street, no no food, no shelter, no clothes, not even shoes. Sounds great. Or hair. I'm there. Uh, and <laughs> Let's go naked on the then street. Your your time preference is high because you need to find something to eat. You need shelter. Yes. You need all of this stuff. Uh, and what is that state? It's a state of fear. Yeah. And what's the opposite of fear? love like so when you when you have your feet on the ground when you have when when you when you know that you're not going to get too fucked you can actually focus on long-term projects commitment whatever uh then then you get into uh it it gives you the ability to love others that, that's how the, I see it. Like because you have the space to. You're not yeah. constantly in fear of where's my food. No, exactly. So, so to me, high time preference represents fear. Low time preference le- represents love. And that was Bitcoin is love. There you go. There's there's your uh, hippie quote for you. When you gave that presentation, Bitcoin is love. <laughs> oh, it just meant so much. It wasn't called that. I think. Yeah, but that's uh, what you. That, that was the gist of yeah, it. Yeah, it came sort out of, towards the yeah. end. Is he? Yeah. I fucking love you, man. Give us a hug. I love you too. I think this is a good point to end this on. And we'll go back to the conference. I'm so hungry. I'm giving you a hug.
Yeah, I love you, man. Fade to orange.